This is the Content Recruiter Podcast. Cool, everyone, welcome. So, listeners to the Content Recruiter Podcast, uh, fans of First Bird, fans of Agnes, and uh, LinkedIn friends who've come along today. So, we're going to get the recording. Thanks for thanks for joining us. So, I'm Nathan, the freelance recruiter and the co-host of the. Uh, content recruiter podcast where we break down um, content strategies for recruiters to drive more more inbound and I'm joined by Agnes Billick the global alliances and marketing manager at uh, First Bird so First Bird is the employee referral platform and that helps you to hire better talent faster integrates with all the ATSs that you need to know about and into your existing workflows so Agnes morning how are you Hey, thanks so much for having me. Super excited to be here. And uh, hopefully I can, you know, provide some value to your audience about how uh, we're working together with our clients to help them face the challenges in the referral industry. Yeah, same. And actually, fun fact, we, um, so the Content Recruiter podcast has been running now for around eight, nine months in total um, with my good friend Nate Gugia, who a lot of recruiters will probably see on LinkedIn, and you're the first you're the first guest on the on the pod. So, miles, I feel honoured. Milestone moment. We um, like really really excited to roll this out, and uh, and to all the people that that you've invited from the First Bird community as well. It's really good to um, to meet those people or be on the podcast. So um, today we are <clears throat> going to talk about. A few things. So we've titled the 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 episode um, three mistakes you're making with your employee referral program, um, but we're also going to talk about the fixes within those mistakes. And one of the great things about having Agnes here is that First Bird are um, a market leaders in employee referral platform space. So they see all the data that's flowing through from all of their clients in the enterprise, the mistakes that they were making from the um from a referral perspective and all the things that 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 first bird advised them to do to clean up those mistakes which is really really helpful um there are so i've got some experience in this industry as well there are some there are some companies and, and agnes you probably see this as well there are some companies that start off um when, when they're talking about referral programs they start off talking about how they are in like single digit hires they're at five six seven percent of hires flowing through the referral program and then other companies are like oh we do 60 percent and that enterprise or startup or scale up or whatever size like there, there doesn't seem to be any correlation between size of company and um and the ratio of hires they're making through the referral program but for some reason there's this huge disparity between various companies of various sizes so we're going to break that down today um and there are three reasons why. And then we're also going to move into how we see referral programs changing in the future. And that's really built on like one question, which is where are people discovering jobs today and how referral programs are evolving from a conventional transactional, hey, I know this person, you should hire them, through to how people, how subject experts in the business are potentially building an audience. They're not meeting people, but they're, they have the ability to refer people into into the organization. So we dive into your your deck and we can talk through through the three the three mistakes that companies are making and more importantly the fixes that they can make really, really quickly to get some of this these things solved. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, so actually uh, the first thing that I wanted to do is to pick everyone up 
um, is to dive into the current candidate market and to show you actually why um, referrals are important at the moment. Um, so I'm sure you all know this, uh, but if, if you look at the candidate market, actually only 20% um, of candidates are actually active and looking uh, for a new challenge. So they're out there, they're checking job boards, uh, they're checking companies' websites to see if there are any new vacancies, um, but actually 80% of the market is very passive. Um, and if we look at the passive candidates, the biggest group there are actually the explorers um, and they're not actively looking, but they're open to a conversation um, about a new career. Uh, they're very focused on their close network, um, which is then very trust-based. So usually these kind of conversations happen if you meet maybe someone at a fair um, or you connect with someone online and then you just have a chat and something you know, might arise from that, um, but they're definitely not out there uh, checking job boards or, or all of that, which means that they're quite hard to reach with conventional recruitment channels. Um, and from that, I'd actually like to talk about um, how do most referral programs look like? And for that, we actually need to really take a look at it from an employee's perspective. Um, so, because if I'm an employee at a company, um, there are probably a lot of vacancies open um, that I have no idea about. So often I don't even have an overview of what kind of vacancies are open. Um, and if I know um, that a vacancy is open, I can either refer a candidate or I can share the vacancy in my network, like on WhatsApp or on LinkedIn. Um, if you have a setup for that. Um, so those are actually the two things that I can influence the most. And the quality of the candidate is something that I can maybe estimate, but also not 100%, depending on how good I know this person. Um, I can't fully influence as an employee if you're going to hire this person. And I definitely actually cannot influence if the candidate will pass the probationary period. Um, and then if we look at it from a company's perspective, like what an employee actually gets rewarded for, um, just for the referral or a share online, um, most companies actually don't do anything with that. Um, and the highest reward is obviously, you know, like some companies incentivize if they hire this person, but the highest reward is actually um, when the person passes the probationary period, which means that in realistic terms, um, let's say if I refer someone, this person goes through the recruitment process and then three months pass. And until this person actually successfully finishes, finishes the probationary period, um, half a year passed. Um, and that's a very long time. So it doesn't actually give me a good feeling as, as an employee to refer someone because it's just like so much time passed and I don't really feel appreciated. And that's actually the moment where you have to ask yourself, okay, does that really make sense? Um, and how can we best change that? Um, Nate, do you wanna jump in here as well? Yeah, the, just um, on, the, on that point there, the, the biggest friction point we always had. So I, so I guess some context will be helpful here. So for the last, um, seven or eight years, I've been a freelance recruiter and I've dipped into 
um, various companies to work in-house as part of their, their team. Um, and so I think I've probably seen close to like 15, 20 different in-house teams and how they operate. And like hands down, the biggest friction point I always see with referral programs is the speed in which people get rewarded like hands down because it, it's just hard to build momentum when you say to someone yeah sure open up your network at pace to help the business accelerate hiring and in three or six months after they found their after they finish their probation you're going to get a thousand dollars or something or a thousand pound or euros or whatever that equates to it just becomes really really hard um and so i um yeah i see that trend a lot and uh and it's it's I think that's for me the biggest challenge companies have got in in this in this program. And the funny part is also if we compare it actually to the fees that uh, companies pay for uh, a recruiter, right? Um, because you have like a massive amount of money that you actually have to pay for a headhunter, um, but people like some companies don't even want to pay out a thousand euros for for a good referral. Um, and fact is, that's something that we see uh, from our clients and also that a lot of studies support is that generally referrals are a better cultural fit because they already know someone from the company and they also tend to stay longer within companies, which in the end has actually a very big uh, outcome on your recruitment costs. Um, so you can actually save in the long run quite a lot of money uh, by rewarding referrals as well yeah for sure <clears throat> for sure um the, the obvious pushback which is something that um it, so where, where i see the natural and this is probably part of the conversation for a little bit later in this episode but where i see the natural evolution of referral programs is more around like influenced hires so how subject experts in the business can start building really small micro communities of people in the industry to start influencing hires and start and start helping the company to drive a whole new audience, which I think then tackles and leads into, because a lot of pushback from, from referral programs generally becomes, referral, referral programs aren't good for um, DNI, for example, like they don't help diversity and, and inclusion programs. Um, and I think the way to tackle that is by, um, leaning on the content strategy that you and I will talk about we'll talk about later to start driving that that new audience which which helps as well but yeah no I, I, I'm with you I think the um I think the, the the reward stuff and the speed to reward is 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 the metric that that company should look at the most at the moment yeah so I think the question comes up as well like how do we change this in the right way yeah. um, and what we truly believe in is to actually turn your employees into brand ambassadors um, and to make them visible. So also, if you're not having hires yet from referrals, uh, just really show appreciation and say thank you to those people that are supporting you uh, because they are, you know, trying their best. And if you openly acknowledge that, uh, then that can go a very long way. Uh, so we truly believe that you should not only reward the hires, but also just in general, the activities and campaigns and to really use gamification and to make it fun because an employee referral program um, 
should be like an internal marketing campaign where you get everyone on board and it's fun for everyone to participate. Um, and there are two main topics um, we see that are actually most important. Um, and that's on the one hand, the communication, and the, on the other hand, the reward structure. Um, so communication might seem um, very simple <laughs> because everyone just has to really know that there is an employee referral program. Um, but to, to tell you as well about it, um, like I worked before um, as a recruiter in a company as well, and I barely knew what vacancies were open and um, like how they, how they would reward them. Uh, the hires, which means that a lot of people actually are not aware. Um, and um, if we look at it as well in general, like what is the potential of your employee referral program? Um, so on average, we see uh, based on data that one person has a network of 1,340 contacts um, and everyone is on like multiple different social media platforms. And obviously, each social media platform attracts a different type of psychology of a person. Um, so if we look at it, so if you have 10,000 employees um, working for you, um, you actually have a reach of a network of over 13 million. Um, and if you think about that, only 20% of these people refer you one candidate per year uh, which I think is quite realistic, uh, you actually come up with 2,000 candidates. Um, and also from our clients, we see that generally they hire every fourth candidate, um, which means that those are actually 500 hires if you really communicate it to your people um, and if they really see that. So I think there's generally a lot of potential, um, especially the more employees you have, the more you should actually focus on making your referral program a success. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and again, like this is the, the, the graphic here shows the average amount of connections, I guess, people have on social platforms. So the 1,340 connections that Agnes or I would have or, or, or you people watching would have, and what it what it doesn't take into account is the people that are willing to advocate um, within those connections and all the connections that they have as well. Like there are some people on this call, it's called now that I speak to fairly regularly on on LinkedIn, um, and they are like they are. I value those people a lot because they they like they advocate my message. They constantly. Um, dive into the conversations that I have on LinkedIn. Whenever I post content, they're always there and sharing their opinions and, and all that stuff is amplifying amplifying my content. But actually, it's just, it's doing more than that. It's building really, really solid relationships. I don't like to talk about like content amplification as the thing because whilst it, it matters, I think the value of having someone who's genuinely outside the walls of your business advocating for your business when they speak to their network about opportunities is just massive. Now in marketing, there's this, there's this trend developing of, of dark social, like historically it's just been word of mouth or influence marketing or whatever. Um, but there's a very clear trend developing that actually people outside of your business can become huge, huge advocates as well. And they could drive referral pipeline without having to then pay rewards. So 
the, the need to do this is is big. And I think when you analyze where your ideal candidates spend their time, i.e. social platforms, um, if you are sleeping on this opportunity today, then you're missing a, a huge, a huge trick, especially if you've got a bunch of recruiters sending cold messages all day on, on LinkedIn. Yeah, and I think as well, if you um, do it right and you really motivate your employees to become brand ambassadors, you get access to such a different audience because generally you wouldn't um, be able to access a WhatsApp group of your employees, right? Um, but if you make also sharing easy, um, people will actually do that, um, which is then very valuable. Um, and when it comes to generally communication, um, I wanted to just dive into the main points that are important. And I also brought some examples for you based on our clients. Um, so with communication, you really have to think about first, like your target group, like who do you want to address? Um, are these employees? Is this your middle management? Is this your higher management? Because based on that, you're going to communicate differently. Um, and you're going to have to think about what channels do you have available? Like, is it offline? Is it online? Um, are you a fully remote company or do you have also in-person events or are you structured in the way that you have a lot of in-person stores? Um, you're also going to have to think about like how, um, how tech savvy are your employees? Uh, like, do you have a lot of desk workers or non-desk workers? Are you a hospital um, or are you a tech company? Because based on that, you're going to um, act very differently in your communication strategy. And the third part is obviously the message. Uh, so a lot of companies um, communicate the message, oh, um, refer as a friend and we'll give you money for it. Um, and that's often not the most motivating message. Um, like it, it can work, obviously, but if you try to pick one that is more empowering, where you say, hey, uh, we trust you, who should sit next to you? Um, that can be way more fun to, to be a part of that. Um, and to also talk about some examples um, of how you can kick off your employee referral program or just you know, start a new campaign as well if you have one. Um, is I brought also an example from um, a, a major German bank where the head of HR actually dressed up in a bird costume. Um, so just for everyone who doesn't know, um, the, the brand of First Bird is actually a bird. And he ordered a yellow bird costume and like was running around there. So that created a lot of awareness. <laughs> Obviously, it's not something that's for everyone uh, the right way, but it definitely stayed in people's mind. Um, There's an important point on this, Agnes. Before this call, you said you were willing to turn up to everyone's office dressed as that bird. So if anyone needs some help with their activation of a referral program, Agnes is willing to come along and do this as well. So, <laughs> Well, I can't really confirm <laughs> that I said yes to this. <laughs> as, an, as an incentive for anyone listening. And if anyone's listening on the podcast, by the way, and with no clue what's going on, I'll, I'll, I'll include this little image in the, uh, in the show notes for you. <laughs> Um, then um, what McDonald's, for example, did is when they launched their 
employee referral program, they actually created a launch video, um, which I know can be a lot of effort, but they actually interviewed some of the restaurant managers about their current challenges and also interviewed some talent scout and showed in general, like how you can share vacancies online and what they can, what kind of impact they can have if everyone is on board and how that would also impact their recruitment costs and what kind of goodies they can get um, if if they become active, um, which is also a very cool um, and visual thing. Um, And what you can also do is you can create campaigns based on certain holidays, like for example, for Christmas or for Easter, um, and you can send um, a postcard to, to the home of your employees and then they have something they can touch that is maybe standing around for a while. Uh, so it's also like a constant reminder. Um, so you can be actually very creative in that way. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and there was a the, the slide you showed before that, the, um, the nice video content that I think you said McDonald's, right? That, that, yes. That, together um so i'm i'm really um intrigued by the speed in which companies can create this now i think historically a lot of enterprise businesses have felt that content needs to be like really incredibly polished and it has to be yeah um you go get the videographer hey record this video with carolina over there and it's gonna it's gonna be a you know a 15 hundred dollar task and you're gonna to have to hire someone for a full day she's gonna miss a full day of work you've got to get the scripts right it doesn't need to be like that now like content's moving so quickly um if you can stay scrappy in the creation process and not worry too much about the quality output the speed in which you can deliver content now to the audience that you want to hire is unprecedented like it, it, it doesn't get any quicker and so i think having quality content is important but until you know what the audience actually wants to hear about and the type of content that they want to see it's important to to stick with that scrappy mindset and uh and and get as much out there as possible because the reality is people very few people remember remember what goes out so i would just say to anyone on this call if you're going to adopt the the content piece which i think is potentially for me anyway and I'm, I'm a little bit biased on this, but I think potentially one of the most important aspects of this, if not the most important, given that people consuming content on, on social feeds every day, don't become obsessed with the with the polished version all the time. Yeah, I feel like as well, so, so many people spend time on wanting it to be perfect instead of actually, you know, just creating the content and in the end, if it's also not perfect, or also if your camera is not the the best one, it shows to people that it's actually real. Because yeah. the more polished it is, the more it seems fake in a way. Yeah, I feel the same. I feel the same. And you can't get any sort of velocity out when it's when it's so like you know we 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 speak about it when we're so so Agnes and I are talking about all of the questions that first bird get as a business from there. From their clients and there are there are a heap of questions like faqs a mile long um and you know we're already talking about how we can spin up a, a little micro series about answering those questions individually but if we're at a point where we're obsessing about the, the quality of the content or we need a videographer or agnes and i need to be in a room with two chairs and a nice layout it'll never happen <laughs> it just doesn't get done 
So I think that the, the velocity in which you're creating is really, really important. If you, you've got to be consistent with this stuff. Um, and that, that also, Agnes, I don't know about you, but that also requires a huge, huge mindset shift um, inside of the business, which is sometimes difficult because these initiatives are maybe led by people that don't necessarily understand marketing. So they're led by yeah. TA leaders who um, grew up in, 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 in TA when it was just basically, hey, job boards, cold messages, headhunting kind of mentality. And now suddenly the whole content piece has been drafted into this and it's new and there isn't necessarily a great framework available for TA right now because not many companies are doing it that well. And so... For any TA people here, I mean, there are a couple of brilliant employer brand people on, on this call, by the way. I'd look at the list and, and, and see who exists. But for any TA people that are here, the biggest win that I've always had going into companies trying to, re, trying to launch a um, referral program with content is to go and get support from the CMO, the head of marketing, the marketing director, whatever that title is in your business, but go and get someone who truly understands the value of content to go and champion this stuff with the board because it's a lot easier for them to influence this for you unless kind of you're going without any data and, and, and talking about this stuff to, to a HR director. It's much easier having the ear and the support of a, of a marketing leader who truly gets it. And on that note, it's also important that your management really participates in the program and that they also share vacancies on their social media because you cannot expect that your employees will do it if your management doesn't, you know? Sure. So they really need to be an example. And in many cases as well, if we talk about like a CMO or a CFO, they're in the industry for a long time and they have very good networks in general. So yeah. you want to take advantage of them. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I think the other topic we wanted to go into is rewards. Um, and how should you reward your employees? Um, and in general, there are three types of rewards. Um, so we have the monetary rewards, the material rewards, and the emotional rewards. Um, and when it comes to the monetary rewards, um, they're quite easy to manage. And you can often just um, have a split payout. So for example, when you hire someone and then at the end of the probation period, it's actually better if you pay it out twice um, because it has a nice psychological effect um, for the person that referred you a candidate. Um, but fact is like there is also a certain threshold with money. So if you suddenly, you know, um, have a reward of let's say a thousand euros and you make it thousand five hundred, um, it's very unlikely that you're gonna get more referrals. So it's not necessarily cor correlated. Um, and when it comes to the material rewards, um, that can be also very beneficial if you give it out for tax purposes, if you have like, you know, a keypad or, or a certain hoodie uh, or like a certain booklet um, that you give people as well. It has just generally a different effect. If I have something in my hand that I can feel, um, then if I just get a wire on my account. Um, and what we see, um, what's actually uh, also very important are the emotional rewards, um, which can be, for example, the coffee with the CEO or an extra holiday or a certain trip to a city with your team, which can be, for example, London or Paris if you're in Europe. Um, 
which just has a different type of um, value for you, right? Because let's imagine that you're, you know, uh, uh, not very high up in a big organization. Let's say if you would have that coffee with a CEO, for example, um, I can imagine that that's actually very cool because that's type of access you don't generally have. Um, and I also brought an example um, from our clients, um, it, what they have. And here you can see also um, that they offer, for example, donations. So for some people, it's very beneficial if you donate to the rainforest because they're very green and that motivates them. Um, so you can be very creative with that. Um, and also when it comes to the monetary rewards, uh, we often get the question like, how much should we pay out? Um, and that's something that really depends obviously on, on your sector and, and generally your people. Uh, but we see that in most cases, um, it's a reward of like 500 to a thousand euros um, that companies offer. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I um, hey, just going back to that last slide with the um, with the rewards. We don't need to to jump on there. I'll include it in the show notes and in the mail after this. But I um, we were working with a, a sustainability company, an energy company, who actually used the rewards scheme to play into the culture of the business. They were trying to improve sustainability, and they did exactly what one of the little icons showed there on the on the graphic. They um, they, I think one of the rewards was like, hey, go plant a, a tree or, or whatever it was, or 10, 10 trees for every refill you make. And it actually played really nicely into the um, into the culture of the business because everyone was there to, to try and create a, a, a difference in the world. And, and, and it got people really, really bought in from an early stage. Um, but I think, is there a, like in your opinion, is, is there a, a, a kind of alignment between where how people feel about working in the business versus the amount of referrals they actually make. Like, is there, is there something in that? Like, can we try these things, but if people aren't happy, they're just not going to refer to people. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, because referrals are actually something that's very culture based. So if you have a very open culture and, you know, people can really identify with you a lot and um, obviously you're going to get more referrals because, you know, your employees want to support you if you have a very toxic culture and people are just there nine to five and they don't want to work a second longer than they have to, um, it's very unlikely that they're going to refer you a friend, right? Um, and I can also attest to this just based on my own experience because I was working for a year at a company um, that I really, really didn't like and where I didn't feel great. <laughs> and I would have never <laughs> referred anyone. I actually... Um, you know, was more telling people like, oh, you know, just don't work there. It's not a cool place to be. Um, but then on the other hand, again, if you really like your coworkers and you feel like you have a lot of freedom and you feel like you have a lot of support in the company, yes, of course you want to, you know, refer people. Of course you want to help with growth. And then of course you want to have people around you uh, that you like, um, and then you're knowing, you know, that you're doing something good to them as well, if you suggest a company. Um, so yeah, I think that's a very, very big topic. Yeah, <clears throat> we um, 
I think there's another another topic within this which is which is highly unrated. So there's, there's there's two things that we should probably we should probably talk about before we wrap up. And the first one is tech hiring. So I know it's been it's been hard the last <clears throat> the last few years in terms of hiring like software engineers, for example. Um, one of the things that we introduced on a contract to, uh, uh, 18 months ago, I think, and I've carried it through every other contract since, is instead of the recruiters um, sending cold messages to to people that they think are relevant for the role, um, we just basically created this initiative where we'd create projects on on LinkedIn, for example, or we'd create lists on on GitHub, and and um, and then we'd we'd leave it to the subject experts in the business to to do the outreach for us, and it was really really like simple. We just create a landing page outside of the outside of the careers page, and whenever one and whenever someone that they reached out to wanted to explore an opportunity further, they would just drop their CV into a into a landing page, which. It didn't necessarily, it wasn't super pretty in terms of the workflow. It wasn't nice and integrated into the ATS. But the impact of the subject experts reaching out to people that do a similar role um, was significantly better. So we were seeing numbers coming through, like um, I think in one role, it was 18% um, response rate from recruiter to software engineer. And when the subject expert reached out, it went up to 68%. Like the numbers yeah. were big. Wow, yeah. And so, if, but, you, but you need to... You need to put the prep work into that and running back into the referral program. It has to run alongside that. You have to give the reward to people for doing the work and doing the legwork um, because they are truly influencing the people outside of the business. Um, <clears throat> we're also seeing three trends. So for so for people that are serious about, about doing this referral program, um, and really want to accelerate it and, and improve the numbers that they're seeing coming through. So we're seeing like three big trends coming through this year. So um, when we talk about content, the shift to audio and video is is massive. And I think that's been built on like just TikTok, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just exploded. <laughs> and, and it's super addictive, right? Oh. Because people just sit on their couch and they watch one video after the next. And then 12 hours later, they're still there. <laughs> <laughs> got to go to sleep and, and all that great stuff. So um, so the shift from from like text-based, image-based stuff, and it's still important, of course, like having a, having a solid content mix and repurposing content into different formats is still is still important. But but we're seeing audio and video just like dominate attention spans now, which is which is interesting. Um the other big thing, I don't know how you feel about it. I remember like five years ago on Instagram where someone would have a huge, huge, huge following and they just advertise like anything. They'd be like, yeah. well, hey, look at this pasta. And the next day, hey, look at this I don't know, product for the beach or something. Like, it was just random. And then yeah. they got told that every product that they that they advertised had to be labeled as an ad. And, and then suddenly it became a bit tighter. Um, we're seeing more and more influencers now. Their engagement rates are significantly higher when their audience is much, much smaller. So we're talking about this micro nano influencer who've got much, much smaller audiences, but people actually trust their opinion and their view on the world. Um, and, I, and I relate that back to like subject experts inside of the business. If you can get them, and I think that this, this, this is relevant to the referral program, like if you can get them to help the um, to help build audiences outside of the outside of the company, either through 
like meetups or micro events or an event once a month or you know start small but be consistent with it if you can get them to do that there's no reason why you can't reward them within the referral program framework like there's no reason at all if they're actively building the audience which is enabling your recruiters to do a better job um then that's going to reduce time to hire significantly which i think is the metric that most teams are leaning on at the moment as, a, as an indicator of success so um and then the third thing is which is kind of um similar to the last but the but like the rise of this niche kind of influencer so people who who, who talk about really small narrow topics so i don't know if you're a, a SaaS company in the sustainability space and you've got an expert who just talks about sustainability within a specific sector um like the rise of these people now quickly they're able to get in front of the type of people that they want to talk to either through paid or organic content to then build the audience then drive them through to the recruitment team or to drive those inbound applications it's just significant so um there are lots and lots of ways to get creative with this and i think you know, if you've not got the people inside of the business that necessarily want to create, then there's no reason why you can't form partnerships with people outside of the business to go do that stuff. Um, I yeah, I fully, I fully agree. And something that a lot of companies also don't do is that they include alumni, right? Or ex, ex people that left the company. Um, they know you really well. And if they have a good relationship with you, why shouldn't they keep referring people that they meet, right? Um, because in general, these kind of communities that you're looking for, they're out there. So you just have to find the right way to leverage them, right, to to get in touch with them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes back to this perception, doesn't it, of referral programs that you almost like. I think the perception is that referral programs have to happen within the walls of a business like you have to be in the company to refer people inside of the business and i think this is where the concerns around dni start and and and, and begin because the concern is that um that i uh, that i would refer people that are similar to me and that would harm diversity and inclusion and i totally agree with that i think i think um i think that's valid but it doesn't translate when you talk about content distribution like the network that i've created on linkedin through being fairly inconsistent with creation and distribution like fairly inconsistent is full of such a broad range of brilliant people and so content is the enabler to get this thing going and if you've got dni initiatives that you need to hit that is going to be the biggest thing that you can do this year to start driving more people through through the pipeline like without question um, there's lots of examples of it. I've just finished a contract with a gaming company who wanted to who wanted to make more um, female hires. They wanted more women in the business. There are some some great big opportunities to go create like small micro communities of women in gaming and and to give a lot of value back to people who are coming through that that industry either through university or college or whatever education their path they're taking. Um, but when you commit to it, just just be consistent with it would be the only thing I say. For sure. Um, I think we're wrapping up now slowly. Um, so I wanted to still share for everyone that's interested um, that we have this employee referral benchmark study that I mentioned. Um, so if you would like to receive the results, um, then um, I think you'll share the link in the chat. And here is a QR code that you can also scan 
um, and you'll just get the results for free. We'll be happy to send them to you when they're ready for this year. Awesome. And we'll, if you, I'll follow up on, on LinkedIn with everyone here as well, and we'll send through the, um, we'll send through the survey that you can take a look at it and challenge the people inside our business to get more budget for your, uh, your referral programs, which would be nice. So I'll, uh, I'll send a, a, a message out as well. Um, cool. If anyone's got any questions for Agnes around referral programs, data that she sees or anything like that, then feel free to um, drop them here. Agnes, where can people connect with you on, on LinkedIn? Do you want me to grab your link and share it in the chat? Uh, yeah, sure. Awesome. Awesome. And typically, like you make yourself available to just open like open chats with people and um, For sure. support their work, which is great. So I have included Agnes's link there. Um, for anyone, again, on the Content Recruiter podcast, feel free to, to listen to that. We are going to include all of the um, employee referral benchmark study from Burstbird in the show notes. Um, we'll put it out in email as well. And I'll include Agnes's LinkedIn link on, um, on the podcast for you on the show notes. Um, but Agnes, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate it. It's been good fun. And uh, hopefully we'll be back very soon with our little micro series. Huh? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, it was a lot of fun. And I hope that you could, you know, get some inspiration on how to improve your current referral program. Yeah, it was great. Thanks, Agnes. And thanks, everyone, for coming along. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Hey, folks, it's Nathan. Just wanted to drop a quick message to say thank you for everyone who's taking the time out to listen to the Content Recruiter. And thank you to our friends at Firstbird for joining us and sharing the insight from the Employee Benchmark Employee Referral Survey. So all of the details for that are in the show notes, and we'll be back very, very soon with the next episode as we continue to break down the framework to creating the content recruiter. All right, catch you soon.